it is a, it's just a, it's always a privilege to have our missionaries with us, isn't it? And I, I love, you know, this has been my first time to get to know uh, David Delp, and uh, I've known Donna forever. Uh, we've known each other for a long time. Our families have been friends for years and years and years. And uh, uh, both of them have been through uh, some great things in life that God has blessed them tremendously in. And, uh, but we've asked them to share a little bit tonight about some major, uh, a couple of major, major events in their life that uh, can rock our worlds. And I know this isn't an easy thing for them to talk about, but they have been gracious enough to say they'll share with us. And I'm hoping that this will help build a foundation in all of us that if that day comes when we face really tough things in life, that we know what to do and know how to look to God for our help. Amen? So I want you to welcome uh, Dave and, and Donna to the platform tonight as they come and share with us. Guys, we love you. We're going to pray for you. Lord, we just pray you give them grace tonight and strength tonight. We know you have over the last years, many, many times, uh, strengthened them and helped them. And Lord, what, what has come into their life and things that we don't understand, we pray that you would help this congregation grow and learn and be ready for every day that we're, we have to celebrate, to celebrate greatly. And every day where we have questions, to trust you completely. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, it's such a joy to be with you guys for missions uh, convention, missions emphasis. And we come into this place. I came into this place. Donna's been here many times before. I came into this place a stranger, and you folks being a stranger to me, but already I'm starting to feel family. You guys are becoming family really, really quickly, and you don't know what that means to us on this itineration trail. We don't get this opportunity often to get to spend this much time with folks. Well, Donna and I have, have made a video that tells a little bit of the heart of our story for a couple of reasons. One, we can tell it faster with the video, and it helps us a little bit to give you a little bit of background on, on that video. So we want to show you this video, and then we'll come back and share with you. All my life, he's been faithful. All my life, he has been so, so good. And I will sing of the goodness of God. I have to tell you that... Uh, First of all, I just want to say thank you for making my husband welcome uh, and for just your heart for missions, you guys. It's, it's been an incredible week for us, and we've so enjoyed that. Another thing that I have to tell you is that little girl is not my baby. <laughs> That's a really important piece of information. <laughs> so... David's daughter, Ashley, about the time that he was going to break the news that he had been writing someone, he showed her a picture of me on Facebook, and it was a picture of Eloise and I. That was the first picture that I put on my Facebook page after taking the picture of my husband and I off. I knew it was time. And he showed her that picture, and she said, oh, Dad, she's got a baby? And he's like, 
no, no, no. She's only two years younger than me. She's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> so we have six children between the two of us and three grandbabies, and they are all over the place. So I'm not even going to try to tell you where everybody is, but I can tell you that God has been faithful, and we are so blessed, and we are so grateful for where we are right now in our life. But I can tell you that I did not always feel that way. The picture of me at the beach scattering my husband's ashes um, was about one month after he had passed away. I had come back to the United States to have a memorial service. And you may not know it, but this church was very much involved in that. Pastor Mark um, did the music for his service, and it was incredibly meaningful to me that you were there for me because I was devastated and confused. But so that day I, I spread his ashes at the beach and I, I, I couldn't get his body back to the States. It was too expensive. And I walked away wondering what it was that I believed. See, my daddy's a preacher and I've seen miracles and I've, I've experienced miracles. But that day, I wondered what I believed because I thought, God, if I'm going to pray and you just do whatever you want to do anyway, then why did I pray in the first place? And that may seem like a really inappropriate thing for somebody to say from the platform, but I know that you feel that way sometimes. Because I wonder, why do I pray? Because I feel like sometimes I never know what's going to happen. I'm going to try. And I walked away not sure what I believed. And God began to speak to me. He said, Donna, you act like you have no hope. And let me tell you, our God is a God of hope. And my problem was is that I was looking at circumstances. And my circumstances were not trustworthy. And your circumstances may not be trustworthy, but I can tell you God is always trustworthy. And he wanted me to get my eyes off of stuff that I could not understand and things that were not trustworthy and put my eyes on him. And I am so thankful that I did that. And besides that, he answered a prayer that I had been praying my whole life. When I was young, I memorized the book of Philippians, and my verse was, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. And you know what? God was answering that prayer because he took me on a journey of learning to know him and know his heart in a way that I had never known him before. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I understand why everything happened the way that it did. And do I still go through the grief process? Yeah, I do. We do. It doesn't just go away, and the grief process is a very important thing to go through. But through it, God taught me all kinds of stuff. And he taught me to know him in a way that I've never known him before, but I still wanted to know why. And one night, I was holding my little grandbaby, she was a difficult child. <laughs> she was never happy. I'm, I'm serious. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. This child is screaming. Nobody knows why, except in her mind, her little world had blown up. And she won't settle down. She screamed and screamed all night. And I'm rocking her, and I'm singing, and I'm telling her, Honey, it's going to be okay. I know it's going to be okay. But she's screaming louder. And in the middle of all the screaming, God said, Donna, this is what you do to me. <laughs> he says, 
you know, you're trying to understand, and I could explain it to you, but you're not going to understand, just like your granddaughter is not going to try. She doesn't understand. But if you will let me hold you, and if you will trust me, I'm going to do things in your life that are going to be above and beyond anything that you can think or imagine if you will just trust me. And that night I began to trust him in a way that I never had before. And tonight, as, as my husband shares the rest of our story, the verse I want to share with you tonight, and my prayer for you is, is may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. And may you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, because I believe it's true, because I've lived it, and he's done it in my life. <laughs> you know, to, to do this a little differently than we ever have before, we are very much aware, because, you know, I've traveled and preached in churches for well over two decades, and... I approached it differently after I'd walked through the, the journey that, we, that I had walked through. I, and as I began to preach some of these things, I began to realize there were a lot of people in our churches that were hurting. And I know that there are people in this place tonight that are in different places with grief. This is the, the strangest mission service you've ever heard in your life. But there are different people in different places in the grief process. And Donna, you said a couple of things. One was you used the word understand. I didn't understand. And that was the biggest barrier for me because, I, in fact, one day I was riding down the highway on, on the way to work with a church. And I was praying, and I said, God, if you would just help me understand why this happened, I think I would be okay. And in that still small voice of the Lord, he said to me, Son, you will never understand this fully, but you need to trust me. Will you trust me? And with tears running down my face, I said, Okay, God, I choose to trust you in this. I'm going to trust you. And for that moment on, I trusted God, and I stopped trying to understand something that was absolutely not understandable. But we don't share this everywhere we go, but tonight I wanted to touch on it because we were sitting in a hotel room in Springfield, Missouri, and it wasn't a great hotel room because I had quit my job. And God was leading us to missions, and I hadn't had a job for about three months, and I go out there to interview for missions. We got a cheap hotel. And so I didn't stay in the hotel I used to stay in in Springfield, Missouri, when I was an executive officer with the district. It was kind of a cheap hotel. And I'm sitting there, and it didn't smell real good and all of that, and that was fine. But David, it was fine. but it was the kind that we got to pull the car right up to the door. I know, man. That is real. That's so convenient. <laughs> it you was so much easier. To the door, and it's right there. So, but we, I, I got up and I was sitting in the chair and Donna was sitting on the bed and we were doing our devotions and we were out there to be interviewed for missions. And as I was reading through and as I was praying, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and I shared to Donna what God was saying to me in that moment because what God said to us that morning was, both of us have prayed all of our lives that prayer. When we were teenagers, we prayed all of our lives that prayer. I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, 
and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings so that somehow, some way, that we might become like him. And, and God spoke to us in that moment and said, okay, you're never going to understand everything, but let me tell you this. That day on the beach in Nigeria and that day in the critical care unit in the hospital in Indianapolis, there were two prayers before me that day, and I still can't quite wrap my head around this. There were two prayers before me that day. The one you'd prayed all your life, I want to know Christ. And the prayer that you were lifting in that moment for your spouses to be saved and to live. And I answered the prayer that I knew you would want me to answer if you knew everything that I knew. Did you catch that? See, the prayer I want God to answer is the prayer that he knows I would have prayed if I knew everything that he knows. Because in that moment, we couldn't know everything, but God did. And in that moment, he answered the prayer, I want to be like Christ. I want to be like him. I want to know him. And it's not a coincidence that on that day that we were going to go in to be interviewed as missionaries, that he began to unfold that there was a plan and a purpose that I was unfolding in your life, and we've been on this journey of trust. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I intended that to be a bit interactive, but then I talked a lot. <laughs> That's all right. No, I'm just very, very thankful. And, you know, and, and the thing that I really do want you to understand about our journey, and then I'm going to let David continue, is that, you know, we were married. I, I was married about a year and a half after I lost my husband. I still, both of us still had to go through a grief process. They're not forgotten. They're not forgotten. That's not what this is about. But God had a plan and a purpose for what we had been through, and what has happened to us will serve to advance the gospel. That's our heart, and that's our prayer. So we are so grateful for what God is doing, has done, and what he's doing in our lives. Well, I do want to bring a, a, a word to you this evening that is going to build a little bit more out of, out of my side of the story. I want to share with you Philippians chapter 1, verses 12, 13, and 14. And in Philippians, the book of Philippians, Apostle Paul is in prison for preaching the gospel of Christ, right? If you're in prison for something not so good, then that's one thing. But to be in prison because you've been preaching the gospel of Christ, that's pretty hard to swallow. And in this very desperate situation... We come to verse 12, and these words from Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, where Paul is writing from prison, from a terrible prison, where he's going to face execution unless God intervenes. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that that which has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ and most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. That which has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Listen, I know that tonight there are people in this room that have faced things far worse than Donna and I have faced in our lives. 
And then there are some of you that are sitting there thinking, you know, I haven't been through what these people have been through, but let me let you in on something. This is not a competition, all right? This is not about who's been through the worst stuff, but this is about the story of God and the way he writes the story of our lives and the way he redeems the bad stuff and the tough stuff and the way he redeems even the good stuff that he puts into your life. And as I was coming into about six weeks after my wife passed away, you know, if if you've walked through the grief process, and I know many of you have, for me, I didn't want to get quiet because every time I got quiet, I started thinking about things I didn't want to think about. I was seeing things in my head that I didn't want to see, things that I saw that morning because when I woke up that morning and was trying to wake my wife up and I was trying to revive her and I was praying for for the emergency guys to hurry up and get there and all of those things that were unfolding and the way that day played out. And folks, I want you to know that as a man of God who'd been preaching the gospel for 30 years, I would sometimes stand and look in the mirror in the bathroom in the mornings and I would say, you are an idiot. You are such an idiot. You preach this gospel of Jesus and you lay hands on people around the altar and you pray for people to be healed and you are not man of God enough to be able to pray for your own wife and she be healed. And the devil was doing a real number on me. And as I was walking through that, it was, it was, it was so hard and so difficult, but God would wrap his arms around me and he would hold me and he would lift me up. But as Apostle Paul is, is writing this, I remember six weeks after Joyce had passed away, I just, I, I didn't want things to be quiet. But finally, when the new year rolled around, I thought, you know, I've got to get back into the presence of God, and I've got to get back into the Word. And I hadn't stopped praying. I just stopped having my quiet time because I didn't, I didn't want to think about it. And so I said, okay. I'm, I'm going to do this. I sat down in the chair, and I prayed. I said, Lord, when we left off, I was reading through the book of Luke again. But where do you want me to start in the Bible? And the Lord put upon my heart, start in Philippians. Well, I got to say, I kind of looked out of the corner of my eye up toward the heavens, and I thought, I've preached out of the book of Philippians. I've taught out of the book of Philippians. And one of the themes of the book of Philippians is joy. Now, I'm not feeling very joyful, so I'm kind of suspicious of what you're doing here, but I'm going to be obedient, and I'm going to start in the book of Philippians. Isn't it funny that no matter how faithful we are, we're still human beings, huh? And I started reading, and I read, and I got down to verse 12. And verse 12, Apostle Paul writes, I want you to know, brothers, that that which has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. I looked up at the ceiling in my study and I shook my finger. And I said, I knew it. I knew it. God, I don't want to hear this. I don't want this to be about the gospel. I don't want this to be about something good because this is about something bad. How many of you have ever felt that way? And God began to speak to my heart. And he said, David, we have to take you out of the center of this situation. And we have to put Jesus into the center of this. And being the man of God that I am, I said, 
but God, I'm hurting. Can't this just be about me for a little bit longer? It's only been six weeks. And God said, David, you'll never be any better until you put Jesus in the center of this situation. And I sat there in the chair in my study that day and tears just ran down my face. And I said, God, I'm going to put Jesus into the center of this situation and I'm going to trust you. And it was hard. It was hard. But it was in that moment that God began to work some things in me. And you see, for Apostle Paul, the good that came out of his imprisonment was that the palace guard heard about Jesus, that those who had been preaching were emboldened to preach with even greater fervency. And I opened up my heart to the Lord. And I want you to know that in your life there are difficulties. There are those hard things that we hold on the one hand. And God is able to work through those things and he is able to redeem those things. Those things are the story of your life. And listen, I know that if you are in a place tonight where it's all still fresh and you haven't healed up a lot, the last thing you want to hear is a guy like me saying, oh, it's going to be good. There's going to be great things that's going to happen in your life because of it. You might not be ready for that yet. You might still be healing and coming into that place. But I want to assure you that God is able to take those difficulties and he is able to return beauty for the ashes of our lives. Can you say amen to that? Have any of you experienced that? But there's also something else that God can do, and that is that he can take the good stuff in our life and he can use that to build the kingdom of God. And for us, it was the difficult things and it was also the blessed things. Now look, I'm a missionary, and so I've got to work missions into this whole thing in some way or another because it, it, it is infused in this whole thing. But I have a walking stick with me tonight. It's, I've got this... I've got this staff with me this evening because in Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4, Moses is out in the wilderness because he killed the Egyptian. I'm hoping that your pastor preaches the word of God to you so that you know what I'm talking about. But Moses is out in the wilderness tending sheep. He's been there for 40 years because he killed an Egyptian, he lost his temper, and the purpose that God had for Moses' life ended on that day. He killed the Egyptian, and he went out into the wilderness to tend sheep. So there he is 40 years later. The purpose and the plan of God long forgotten for Moses' life, but one day as he's standing out in the desert, he sees up on the hill a bush that's burning. You know the story? And he watches it for a little bit, and the thing that's odd is that this bush is not being consumed. And so Moses moves closer to it to see what's going on. As he approaches, God says to him, this is holy ground, take your shoes off. So he does. And as he is standing there, and you walk through Exodus chapter 3 and 4, God is repurposing Moses for the thing that he intended in his life all along. You see, I know that there are some of you that may be feeling that because of the things that have happened in your life, you are not able to fulfill the purposes of God that he intended for you. 
maybe because of a mistake or something that you did or something that you just did to blow it, that God cannot fulfill the purposes of your life because you messed up. And for 40 years, you've been on the backside of the desert. But God began to speak to Moses about the purposes that he had for his life. And Moses is arguing, I can't even put two sentences together. I can't do this. I can't just march back into Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let the people of God go. And as he's standing there arguing with God, God says to Moses, Moses, what's he say? What's in your hand? And Moses says, a rod. And God said, Moses, cast that rod down before me. And Moses put the rod on the ground, and it turned into a snake, turned into a serpent. And Moses, it says, ran away from that serpent. And see, when we lay before God the things that are in our hands, sometimes it scares us. What God does scares us. Listen, for me, when God said, what's in your hand, I said, the pain from the grief that me and my family may never recover from. And in the other hand, I'm able to help pastors plant churches. I train pastors and pour into pastors, and I've done that for 30 years. It's what I've done. Those are the things in my hand. And God says, lay those things down before me because, son, I'm getting ready to reboot your purpose. And when I laid it down before him, it turned into Africa. And I ran away from it. <laughs> Listen, we used to joke around in Bible college, go to Africa. I'm never going to Africa. But then God said, come on back here and pick up this serpent by its tail. All right, I grew up in the mountains of West Virginia. We got copperheads in the mountains, and them snakes is pison snakes. All right? I know from raised, coming up in the mountains, you don't pick up a snake by its tail. Does anybody concur with me on that fact? And you see, sometimes when God begins to redeem the stuff in our lives... He asks us to take it up in a way that seems quite odd to us. But when we trust God, Moses came and he took a hold of that snake by the tail. And as he picked it up, it turned back into the staff. And God said, Moses, this is how you and I are going to deliver the people of Israel. You're going to take what's in your hand and you're going to lay it down before me and I'm going to do what only I can do with it, and then you're going to take it back up the way I tell you to. And folks, that is the journey that we're on. And let me tell you, it might be hard for you to believe it right now, but the terrible things that have happened in your life, it might have been 40 years ago, it might have been last week, but the terrible thing that has happened in your life, if you will dare to lay it down before God, God will redeem it and he will transform it into something far beyond anything that you can dream, think, or imagine. You know how I knew that we were supposed to go to Africa? It's a long story, and I've got three or four answers to that question. But one, one of the things was Donna and I prayed because God said to us, I want you to quit your job.
You know, I've never been a ladder climber. I just ended up where I was. But it took me 30 years to get there nonetheless. I said, okay. And see, this is when Donna and I, you see what happened in our, our lives, it costs too much to waste. And so we asked God, what does this mean? And God said, quit your job. I said, okay, what are we going to do? And he said, I, that, the first time in my life I had to let go of job ministry and all of that before I knew what was going to happen. But you know how I knew it was Africa? One of the ways... It's because we ask God, how will we know what we're supposed to do when we see it? And God said to us, it'll be exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask, think, or imagine. And when this door opened, we knew immediately this was exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask, think, or imagine. Wow. I wouldn't have done it the way God did it. And I wouldn't want to go through it again for everything that I've got. But neither would I want to trade the journey of what God has done in our lives. And this is where the missions part of it comes in. Because I want to tell you about a lady named Tomby. I changed her name because it's easier that way churches can stream. Her name's Tomby. Tomby is lame. She's a single mom. Her husband left her. And she lived in a village of 700 people in Africa that was inaccessible by automobile, and it was basically an unreached village. But Tomby left that village, and she went into the city of Maputo to look for work and to try to build a life for her family. She and her daughter. She went to the city, began to build a life, began to find work, began to put things together. One day, she came upon an Assembly of God church in Maputo. She went into the church. She began to attend the church. She met Jesus, and her life was so miraculously transformed. And as she was discipled, God spoke to Tombi's heart to be a missionary, to go back to her village and to tell the people that lived in that village about Jesus because they didn't know. And so she let go of the little life that she had begun to piece together, and she went back to this village. Why do I feel like I have to do this? It is a true story, okay? But she goes back to the village with it in her heart that she's going to tell everybody in this village about Jesus. And so she goes to the first house on the first day, and she knocks on the door, and she tells them about Jesus, and they slam the door in her face and call her names. Tomby is faithful to do this every day for a year. She does this. Now even keep in mind, her legs don't work so well. And so she hobbles and drags herself around this village telling people about Jesus and not one person will listen to her. And finally, one day she sat down under a tree near the center of the village and there were some children playing. And 
as she was sitting there, the children were nearby, and she began to tell them stories. She told them the story of Jonah in the well. She told them about Daniel in the lion's den. She told them about Jesus walking on the water. And these kids loved the stories, and they said, Miss Stoneby, tell us more stories. And she said, I will, but your friends want to hear the stories too. Go get them. And they did, and day after day, the children would come, and the group got bigger and bigger. And you know what happens. The mamas thought, what is this crazy lady telling our kids? So they came. They stood on the perimeter of the group, and they listened. And their hearts were touched by the gospel. And these mamas began to give their lives to Jesus. And they were transformed. And then the men began to come. And they gathered and they heard the stories. And they began to accept Jesus into their lives. And I want to tell you folks that almost all 700 people in that village came to Christ. One of our missionaries went and helped them to put up a tabernacle and to dig a well. And when he was there, he saw a man striding, probably had a stick. <laughs> he was striding down the road and he could tell he was a very important man. He perceived he was the chief of this village and fear kind of came across his face because he thought, we're in trouble now. But Tomei looked up at his face and he saw the, she saw the concern, she saw the worry. She said, oh, don't worry, he's one of us. That whole village serving Christ. Folks, I want to tell you, I got a lot of other stories to tell, but I don't have time to tell them. But we're going to go and we're going to plant churches in the urban centers of Africa because there's people like Tombe coming to the cities to try to piece their life together. And we're beginning to encounter many people from unreached people groups that are coming into the cities as immigrants. And we're seeing them reach for Christ. We have one man in a city near Somalia who feels called to be a missionary to Somali. Oh, my. <laughs> we're going to plant churches in those urban centers. That's what we're going to do. That's our main ministry in Africa. And folks, like Tombi, she was willing to let go of what little bit she had in order to see God move and work and his kingdom expanded. For Donna and I, we've been willing to trust God and to stand in the reality that this just costs too much to waste. It has to mean something. And I can't believe we get to do this. I'm not sure how God got us here, and I'm not sure how I feel about the whole thing. But I'm standing where I want to be standing right now, and God has redeemed us. Because, folks, those of you who have lost loved ones, you see, my wife Joyce and Donna's husband Dave, they're in heaven with Jesus. Their work on this earth was done, and they got to go home. And we were left behind because our work isn't quite done yet. But by and by, in just a little while, we'll be there with them. And we'll be with Jesus. But here's the question I want to ask you tonight. Because this whole story is not about us. This whole story is about you. In one hand, there are the difficulties. And there's the things that hurt. There's the pain and the difficulties. In the other hand... 
There's the blessings and the gifts that God has given you and the things he's enabled you to do. Don't tell me that because your hair is gray that you can't spend two years in Africa or three years or seven or eight. Last time I checked, mine was already gray. First-term missionaries. But folks, the people across the street from you are as important to the heart of God as the people on the other side of the earth. And see, there's people who are hurting, and they're hurting in ways that you've already hurt. And God's calling you to reach out and touch their lives in ways that no one else can. Donna and I talk with people all the time that have lost a spouse in ways that we could not have before. And I want you to know, God will redeem the difficulty, but he will also employ the gifts and the blessings. So I'm asking you tonight, what's in your hand? Amen. What's in your hand? And folks, I'd like for you to just stand in the presence of God because I want to pray with you tonight. And if you want special prayer, if you need healing for hurt and pain in your life, listen, I know some of you aren't to the place yet where you can be glad about it, and I understand that because it's a journey. And if you need prayer tonight because you're hurting in your heart and you need the joy of the Lord to somehow find a way to touch you and encourage you tonight, then Donna and I are willing to pray with you this evening. If you want to come to the altar, we'll pray with you. But I believe that there are others of you that have resources and gifts and skills that God's given you that you're supposed to sow into this church, into this community, and into this world. In fact, on Sunday when the faith promises are taken up, God's going to ask you what's in your hand. And you'll respond with what's in your hand because we give him the bad stuff and the difficult stuff and we give him the resources because it all belongs to him and he's good. So some of you need prayer this evening because you're hurting. Others of you want to surrender to God and just say, here I am, Lord. Use me in whatever way you want to use me. And can I pray with you tonight? And if you want to surrender your life to Jesus or surrender anything in your life, come on up here to the altar and pray. If you need healing in your, in your heart tonight, come on up here to the altar. We'll pray with you. But I want to pray over all of you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for Calvary Church. And I thank you for the people of God that are here. And Lord, we ask you that you would move in an incredible way in this house and in the lives of these people. Lord, we specifically pray tonight for those who are hurting, for those who cannot see that any good can come out of the bad that has happened in their lives. And Lord, we don't pretend to understand, but Lord, we pray that you would put a healing balm upon the, the souls and the hearts and the emotions and the minds of those in this place that are hurting. And oh God, I am prompted to remind them that you are patient with them, that you love them, you have not given up on them, and even when they are angry at you because they don't understand, you still love them and you still hold them up. And Lord, we also offer to you the good things, the blessings, the resources, the wonderful things that you've invested in our lives. Lord, we offer those things up to you. They belong to you. In this hand, I offer you the difficulty and the pain. But in this hand, Lord, I have those resources and I give those to you, Lord, that your gospel might go forth, that your heart, Lord, might be 
tuned and moved toward the lost of this world. God, that which had happened to us and that which you've given us, it's too costly to waste. Lord, we want to sow it in the kingdom of God. Amen. If you desire prayer, Don and I will be here and we will pray with you. And if you want to just move out to the front, we'll pray with you this evening. And Pastor, if you want to come and, and lead us where we need to go. If you want prayer, please come on down to the front right over here on this side. Just come on over and uh, move on out right now. Do you love the Lord tonight? Amen. Amen. If you want to just spend some time with the Lord tonight and just lay the gifts and the troubles that you have before him, just come on over here and find a place around the chairs in the front or on the altar at the front. Come and take a moment and pray before you go. And uh, folks, after, if, if you do that, come on down right now if you want to take a minute and pray. Otherwise, God bless you. You can go in the name of the Lord and let his joy be in your heart today.